Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Cheeseman Podcast. This is Brendan, your host for the show. Joining me for a very special Brighton preview, part of our Legends season uh, as we raise money for the Favela Food Fund over Easter, our official charity. Uh, first up, we've got John in the South Coast. How are you doing, John? Hi, Bren. Very good, thanks. Sort of rushed home from work, quick haircut on the way. And I'm here to see an absolute legend, a guy that played in the first game I ever went to as well, so... Happy days. Oh, you look very trim. I like this. A very nice trim, John. Well done, mate. As John said, we are joined by a legend. It's been a while since we've had him on. We're delighted to welcome back Spurs legend Gary Stevens. Gary, welcome back. How are you doing? Yeah, thank you very much indeed. Everything's good with me. Uh, I still find that word legend in front of my name uncomfortable, to be honest with you. Um, I was privileged the other day to be on Steve Perriman's podcast and... Now, that is a legend when you played almost 900 games for, for Tottenham Hotspur. Um, yeah, I had a great seven years there. had a little bit of success. Um, but I, I can't quite put myself in that category. If you want to, that's okay. But I'm not prepared to. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You're, you're right. It's a word that's kind of used quite loosely these days. Like you get around in down the pub. Oh, what a legend. But... Gary, you won the UEFA Cup <laughs> with us. You, you've won trophies with Tottenham. You, you, um, you've been with the club for so long. And, and so for me, certainly legend. What, John, what about you? Gary, legend or not? Well, he was on Wackaday in the, in the <laughs> 80s as well. That's where I remember him from as much as anything. No, you are absolutely, Gary, winning the UEFA Cup. Uh, you scored a winner in the North London Derby, didn't you? Absolutely yeah. Top, top man for me. You played for England in the World Cup as well. More yeah, sure. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I had a good run at it. I had a good career and uh, it, it could have lasted a little bit longer. That would have been handy. But, um, you know, I, I guess I achieved just about everything that as a schoolboy um, dreaming of becoming a pro footballer. Um, yeah, I just about got there. We're delighted to have you back, Gary. And, and it's perfect timing as well, because we do have two of your former clubs uh, playing on the weekend. Uh, we've got Spurs versus Brighton. Gary, as, as, a, as a follower of both Spurs and Brighton, last weekend's results, you must have been very happy with those. Were you covering them for media at all? Did you, did you watch the games? Well, I, I do a certain amount of media work. Yes, I do. But last weekend, I wasn't working. Across the weekend, I actually watched five of the 10 Premier League games in effect live. And yes, of course, 
you know, I watched Brighton win at Arsenal. And yes, of course, I watched uh, Spurs win up at Villa Park as well. Um, so, you know, I, I, I follow the football very, very closely. Um, you know, I, when, you, when you consider where Brighton were as far as their, their form leading up to that game. Um, and then, of course, you know, could Spurs keep it going and make it four on the spin? In actual fact, I, and I mentioned Stevie Perriman's podcast a little while ago, when he asked me to come on it, um, and it was kind of in lieu of this, you know, Spurs-Brighton game as well, um, I sent him a message and said, well, look, the fixtures are this, and uh, we'll have a great show because Brighton will win at Arsenal and Spurs will win up at Villa Park. And, of course, they dropped in. Um, my predictions aren't normally that good, I've got to be honest. Mystic Meg. Yeah. Hard at work. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was a, it was a great weekend, John. We've covered the, the the Villa result already. The fallout from that, obviously, is um, sadly the injury to Doherty. We know now that he out, is out for the season, having injured his MCL. I think it was. Um, so it, it could have been worse. MCL, I think, is twelve weeks, so it's not as serious as other knee injuries. But Villa did take it far far too far in that game. It was like it was. It was a bit of a throwback to Gary's day, wasn't it? With those challenges <laughs> flying in, and you know, yeah, you've got to sort of take it in this day and age. There was two or three red cards there, and we, for some reason, in last week's YouTube, I actually put the referee in the run sheet. Never do that, but obviously, I had a bit of a premonition that he would be terrible. Um, and VAR these days don't seem to be going against anything the referees do unless it's a blatant handball or something they miss. But yeah, some of those challenges were just shocking. It was very Steven Gerrard esque. If he'd booked cash or even sent him off, the others wouldn't have happened. So actually, I feel he had a lack of due care of duty for the player's safety because they, you know, yes, they won the ball, but they were flying through. And in any other game, those are fouls at the very least, let alone bookings or, or red cards. Gary, mm. your thoughts? Well, yeah, um, I think Villa decided to get stuck into Spurs a little bit, and they did. Um, you know, the the. The challenge by Cash, for example, the challenge by Mings being another one. Um, you know, back in my day, you've played the ball and, of course, your momentum has taken you through the opponent. And that was acceptable at the time. Uh, these days, and I think it's right, um, you know, if, if you go in excessively, um, if you go in without due care and attention, whether you play the ball or not, it's deemed a foul. And, you know... Players' careers hang by a thread. Um, you know, there, there was an infamous challenge when Spurs were at home against Wimbledon when I was playing, which involved John Fashionu and myself and Vinnie Jones. And, and the truth is that, that Vinnie Jones did just make contact with the ball before he made contact with me. Um, and that tackle in today's game, I think it would have been a red card back then. The linesman was stood there, gave nothing. The referee wasn't far away, gave nothing. And I got stretched off and I was out of the game for eight months. So I think, I think the, the, the amendment and the reassessment of the, the laws of the game are appropriate today. If, if I could just uh, jump in there, Bren. So this point, Gary, I have to admit, that was the first Spurs game I ever went to. It was my 12th birthday. <laughs> wow. Not a good day for you, unfortunately. No, it, it wasn't. Do you know what? Go on. Go on. I was going to say that that was that was also the first time that uh, well, my only daughter at the time, but I had two in the end. My my eldest daughter came to see me play as well, um, which was quite ironic. Yeah, 
Not yeah. a good day. Never mind. Move on. It's okay. <laughs> it's really well. you, you've it's got. In, you've it's got in the past. It. it is. It is. You've got through it, Gary, and that's the important thing. So, um, speaking of um, ailments, I guess Gary, the big news this week is that uh, Antonio Conte has tested positive for COVID. He tested positive on Saturday. He's without symptoms, so they're saying that um, he should be on the bench on Saturday. Quite how they know that, I don't know. I don't know how long the um, when it started and, and uh, to, to, to when he gets the negative test. But uh, it's not good news, is it? The disruption to the preparation for the Brighton game. Yeah. Well, like yourself, I'm not up to date, particularly on the rules and the regulations of COVID and how long and how, why you should, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, Antonio Conte is just key to Spurs Football Club at the moment. If the gaffer isn't in at training, and I read today that apparently he has been in at training, but has been keeping his distance, socially distancing. Um, but, you know, he wants to be involved. He wants to be right in the heart of it. So, yeah, I think it could be a, a slight disruption, but you'd like to think that the, the team of coaches he's got around him can generally cover that. But it's never quite the same. You know, whenever I look back to my playing days, for example, um, you know, if, if Keith Birkenshaw wasn't there, for example, on a training day, it just felt down a notch. And, and that could well be the case at Spurs at the moment. Mm. John, I think the, um, one of the key things that uh, we've had, as we've not been having midweek games, is, is exactly that, the time and the training pitch, but also the, the video time. Video um, sort of analysis is a key part of, of Conte's ways of doing things. So with that in mind, I think, is that perhaps a good thing that maybe because he can still plan those video sessions, have one of his staff uh, dictate what he wanted to say in those. So fingers crossed, it, it may not be as, as disruptive as, as, as it could be. I guess worst case scenario, he could sit in that office that Mourinho made famous on the Amazon Prime documentary. And have, a, and have a webcam like this, couldn't he? And be on the, the massive screen they've got in their cinema room and, ha and be talking about it. Or I imagine he doesn't do all the talking. He's got other coaches who can do some of the analysis and explain it to players. And as Gary said, he'll be out on the training pitch because you can socially distance. It's outside. There are basically no rules now. It's only Premier League rules, I believe, that might be possibly preventing him from being in the dugout or the change room. But legally now, if you haven't got symptoms and you, you can go out anywhere you want. So in the UK, it's... And, as we've seen in recent days, you know, there's been far higher people getting in trouble for things in the past. Now anything goes pretty much. So I expect him to be on in. I did say the dugout and that confused me because we don't have dugouts anymore. And Gary's day, you'd <laughs> whack your head on that little roof, wouldn't you, Gary? At White Lane. Um, but it's yeah. all nice, you know, nice seating now, isn't it? All heated seats and stuff. I th I th he'll be there. I think we'll be fine. OK, well, let's look ahead to that game as we do with these previews. Again, it's been a while since we've done a preview. Uh, we will run the rule over the opponent. So as we discussed at the start, uh, they beat the Gooners 2-1 at the Emirates on Saturday. Uh, Potter lined up that day, <clears throat> excuse me, 3-5-2 uh, with McAllister and Welbeck up top. And he rested Mopai, which I thought was, was a bit of a surprise. Um, they are 11th in the table. So they're kind of in that not making Europe, but not going down either. So... You'd normally say, Gary, that perhaps they'd be on the beach, but we saw against the, the, the Gooners at the Emirates that they're certainly not. No, they're not. And, you know, I don't think for one minute that anybody at Brighton Football Club is glancing towards the summer holidays at all. 
Um, you know, Brighton want to finish in the top half of the table. They're 11th at the moment. Immediately above them, I think on the same number of points, is Crystal Palace. You know the rivalry that there is between Brighton and Crystal Palace. And then just above Palace is Leicester City. So, you know, Brighton could finish ninth. Um, and I think that's what they're striving for. And of course, there's five or six, maybe thereabouts, clubs immediately below Brighton as well. So, you know, a good, strong finish for Brighton. They're, they're finishing the top half of the table. Um, if if they don't pick up points between now and the end of the season, you know, they, they could end up, you know, 15th, 16th in the table, which isn't where they want to be. So, um, no, I, I think Brighton will be certainly at it in this game. John, um what have you made of Graham Potter? I want to get um, Gary's opinion on Potter as well, but let's go to you first, John. He's he's kind of the hipster favourite, Graham Potter, and there was talk that he he refused Spurs during the summer because he didn't want uh, the clown car that is Tottenham Hotspur to ruin his reputation, which he may live to regret. He may become the next Eddie Howe. So uh, are you impressed with, with Potter and his style? I like Potter. I think he plays some good football. His biggest problem is his lack of a goal scorer. If he had, if he had um, the clinical front three that Tottenham have at the moment, I think there's no doubt Brighton would be further up the table. Um, but what they've got is, I've, I called him on the YouTube show before the the game last month. The bit of a tinker man because he is. He does like to change it. He plays different formations. He plays four at the back. He plays four two three one. Plays four with a diamond sometimes, or he plays three at the back. He, he likes to adapt to the situation. Obviously, also the players he's got available. But he's got these lots of these little players like Trossard and McAllister who are very mobile, but they're very clever. Very, They can almost be in the Spanish league, I imagine. Um, but the biggest problem for them is the goal score. We saw Mopai miss that absolute sitter in the FA Cup game, didn't he, when he was one-on-one. -on -one. I'm not surprised he was dropped. Welbeck going back to Arsenal against his old team, if he's fit, which is rarity, would be very motivated. And Mopai's only scored twice this calendar year. So you probably do one on Saturday. Um, I always <laughs> like Mopé, but for some reason he's just gone off the boil, I think, at the moment. Gary, what do you think? Well, um, you know, Brighton have really struggled to score goals, haven't they? They've played 31 games in the league and I think they've scored 28 goals. So they, they've not even averaged a goal a game this season. You know, Mopé's their top scorer on eight. Um, thereafter, Trossard's got five. McAllister's got four. Welbeck's got three. You know, there is also a danger um, that comes from Brighton with their their set plays as well. They they have they've got some really decent players in the air. You know, Webster, Duffy, Dunk, for example. So you know that would be potentially a threat, I think. Um, but you know, I, I think John summed it up nicely when he said about you know lots of little busy players. You know, they're a good squad. I think the quality that Brighton have is the fact that they have a very good squad. You know, clearly they do a lot of work on the training park. You know, you, you touched on it previously about the different formations. Um, I know when the Spurs won down at Brighton, Brighton played with a back four. I don't think they'll play with a back four this time, for example. Um, I think they'll look more towards the formation that they used when they beat Arsenal last weekend, which was three at the back, five in midfield, two up top. Um, and, you know, they can dominate possession, Brighton. They really can. Um, they've got lots of good ball manipulators. But if if they had somebody who could score them the best part of 20 goals in a season, um, it would be a very, very different proposition 
um, as far as I'm concerned. And Gary, what have you made of, of Graham Potter and how does he differ from uh, your, your old teammate, uh, Chris Hewton, in, in terms of, of playing style? Well, again, I think uh, Graham Potter's done a fantastic job. Um, joined the club from Swansea. He's been there almost three years now. Took over from Chrissy Hewton, as you say. And, you know, Chris did a great job. He got Brighton into the, into the top flight. You know, that was 34 years after I was a Brighton player and we got relegated out of the top flight. So that's how long it can take to get back. Um, Chris, I thought, did a fine job keeping them in the Premier League. Um, where's the difference? Um, I, I think... And this isn't meant to sound disrespectful to Chrissy Hewton at all, uh, because I fit the same character or the same category. Um, you know, Chris is a little bit old school, like myself. You know, Graham Potter is new generation. Simple as that. Um, and it's, it's how you've been brought up. It's, it's, you know, what your learnings and your teachings were in your early stages. Um, and, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think that that Tony Bloom, the owner of Brighton, made a really brave call um, to, to move Chris Hewton out and to appoint a coach who they'd done their homework on and they believed would be right. And I think Graham Potter's taken Brighton on to another level. No, no doubt about it. He's moved them on to another level. Hmm. And John, how do you see the game panning out? Like, uh, do, do, do you agree with, with Gary that they'll probably go with the same formation that they did against the Goons, because they packed that midfield. So they had Caicedo, Bissouma, and Mpebe. Mpebe? I'm going to forget his name. Mpebe? thank you. Mpebe, actually, he, I think he's a Gooner, because he said uh, during the week that uh, he said to Arsenal fans not to worry, that they're not going to go light on us. So uh, I was like, OK, Mpebe's uh, getting in there. But do you see a similar approach? And, and who are you worried about? One player that... that stands out for me and it may not just be because of his hair he looks like monica in friends when they went to hawaii and humidity but it's cucarella he he looks a player like and he he gets forward he's one of the back three but he does like to get forward he's a player that uh, i want to to keep our eye on he is a good player but i i think kulisevsky will have the better of him over the whole game uh, i'm more i am worried about the midfield three whenever we play a team that plays three in the middle it always worries me a little bit because we only have the two apart from when harry drops deep um, so far, we've managed to cope with it generally. Um, but yeah, that worries me a little bit. And those three guys with Basuma in the midfield, very, very mobile, very strong. And that could be a, an area where they can overrun us a little bit. And, and as Gary said, they're very comfortable on the ball. But in some ways, we're actually quite good not having that much possession because our front three will just hit clinically on the back. And you know, with the, the players going forward, I guess it's really how Emerson does in the right wing back with Doherty back because we've lost that bit of drive now. Um, and who plays left wing back? I'm guessing probably Reguilon because Sessignon obviously had a worse injury and Reguilon played the other day. But we've got to drive forward in those wing areas and really push Trossard and Gross back if they're going to play the wing back roles. Um, but we should, Spurs should win. But Brighton, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if Brighton got something out of the game because they're a talented team and they can beat any team on their day. Much as, same as Palace, Leicester, there's that group of teams in the middle there that Gary spoke about earlier. Any one of those teams can be any Premier League team. So we've got to be on it 100%. And, but if we keep playing the way we have done, Spurs will win. Mm. Well, we, we did. We beat them not that long ago, Gary. We beat them 2-0 at the Amex. Um, again, did you? I'm sure you probably did watch that game as it was your two former teams. Do you think that Brighton have improved since that result? Um, well, first of all, yes, I did watch it. 
couldn't not watch it in many ways. Um, and obviously, with with living in Thailand, um, it does mean a few late nights. Um, Thailand six hours ahead of the UK at the moment has been seven earlier on in the year. So, uh, so I, I quite often I go to bed about eight o'clock in the evening local time and get up two hours later to to watch a game. Uh, it's the only way I can get through it. I used to party all night, but I can't do it anymore. Um, do, do I think Brighton have improved since Spurs beat them two nil? Um, well, as I recall, when Spurs beat them 2-0, that was the sixth consecutive game that Brighton had lost. So the answer is yes, they have improved as far as picking up points is concerned. Um, and we all know what results do for confidence. Um, and I'm sure, you know, Brighton will be much more confident having picked up the three points at the Emirates um, last week. Um, be, because it does, it, it instills confidence in you. So, so yes, I think Brighton will be a different proposition, but, um, um, you know, people say to me, well, who do you want to win when Brighton and, and Spurs play? Well, the, the truth is it's out of my hands, so therefore I can, I can sit aside of that and it doesn't bother me. But if I look at the two teams um, and if I look at Brighton at their best and if I look at Spurs at their best, um, you know, Spurs will win the game. I believe that and, you know, that doesn't necessarily please me from a former Brighton player's perspective. Um, but but I think that, yeah, Spurs are, a, well, look at the league positions to start with. Fourth, 11th. You know, that tells you something about the season, doesn't it? Look at the goals that Son and Kane and Kulusevski have scored, for example. And then you look at the lack of goals from Brighton as well. Um, you know, there, there's a, there is a big difference between the two sides. Having said that, on any given day, we know what it's like in the Premier League. The underdog can indeed beat the favourite. Indeed, indeed. Well, before we get on to um, some of our Patreon questions for you, Gary, about your specific career, let's get some predictions in. John, how do you see this one panning out? Do you think we'll carry on our, our form? Or do you think that uh, the COVID and the Doherty injury, do you think that may have disrupted things? I think Spurs will win 3 1. Cool. Who's back in the goals? Oh, Sonny's going to get two and Kulu. I think Kane will create but not score again. He'll, he'll keep going on and they'll just make a big thing about it in the papers as they have been. <laughs> More importantly, who's getting their goal? <laughs> oh, oh, Basuma. Basuma, yeah. He, 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 had a, he had a hit against. I might be. Thinking about the Arsenal game, I remember he, he does like to take a shot from from distance. Not always on target, but uh, he's a player. He's, he's one that, that I think we'd uh, would fit in well at Spurs. Gary, how do you see the game going? Well, to reiterate what I said a, a few moments ago, yeah, um, I'm going for Spurs to win it. Um, you know, the the actual scoreline I, I think always becomes difficult. I always quite like to to give at least one goal to the side that's going to get beaten just in case they nick an early goal because then your prediction's out of the window, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I, I think... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I'm tending to go two one three one Spurs as well. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I seem to always say 3-1, so I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a score that just, just fits because we, whilst we have improved defensively, there's always a mistake in us at the back, be it, be it from Hugo uh, or from Davies or from Dyer or um, Romero committing himself too much. So, yeah, I, I'll go with 3-1 and, and we keep the pressure on and hopefully the, the Saints do us a favour against the Goons. Um what, one thing we need to mention is that Ozzy Ardiles uh, was recently discharged from hospital after a heart operation. I believe it was heart. Um, Gary, have you? I'm sure you were following it. He's your, your former teammate. What, what, what were your thoughts when, when you saw his, his, the good news that, that it was successful? Well, obviously, the good news was great news. Um, I was aware that um, there was a situation developing. And, you know, I think it was reasonably controlled, but it had to be done fairly quickly. Um, and you know what the level of technology is like these days in, uh, you know, the uh, hospital world. It, it's quite brilliant the way medicine has moved on. Um, but there's always a, a concern. And, yeah, good news that Aussie is back home. Um, I am in touch with him from time to time on, on various methods, be it WhatsApp or social media. I haven't been in contact with him since. You know, he needs to recuperate. He needs to be left alone, I think. And uh, Steve Perriman mentioned that when I was talking to him the other day. And, of course, Steve had, uh, well, a very, very near miss, didn't he, when he had a, a heart attack down at uh, Exeter City Football Club. Um, and another former Spurs and teammate of mine, you know, Glenn Hoddle, had likewise. Um, so it's, uh, you know... These are all super fit people from the past um, and nobody's uh, nobody's infallible anymore, are they? So, you know, my, my exterior looks reasonably good for a 60-year-old, but the bit that I worry about is the engine under the bonnet. What is that like? <laughs> so uh, regular medical checks, I recommend. <laughs> yes, I, I do apologise. Many uh, happy birthday, belated birthday for your 60th, which was like, a few weeks ago, wasn't it, Gary? Um, well, not that long ago. I'm, I'm nowhere near 61 yet. Um, it was on the it was on the 30th of March. 30th yeah. of March. So yeah, uh, it was the 30th of March. Yeah. But I had I had a I had a good day. I, I celebrate it. But you know, these days, I, you know, it's all about self preservation now. And uh, every day, I try to maintain what I've got, basically fitness wise, not too much fat, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. So I had a good birthday without going mad. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, of the three of us, you certainly look the fittest. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and I, I, I did watch uh, you on Steve Perryman's podcast. And, and Steve Perryman will be on the Cheese Room next week. We're delighted to welcome him for uh, to, to talk about his career, but also a Brentford preview, as uh, as we know, he was player manager there. But uh, yeah. you mentioned that last eight years, you've been taking care of your your health and playing golf and going for walks. And uh, so, yeah, good on you. Yeah, it's got to be done. I recommend it to everybody. Sticking with, with Aussie, what, is there any anecdotes about, about Aussie from his playing days that, that, that spring to mind? Um, well, you know, Aussie was such a great footballer. I would suggest he probably had the, the, the quickest football brain of, of any player that I ever had the pleasure of playing alongside or against. Um, and... My first season at Spurs, although at the end of it we won the UEFA Cup, the, the league season was a disappointing season and I had a, I had a difficult time. Um, and I remember, I, I want to say it was a way against Derby and, and I've just gone ultra safe. So the, I'm at the back and the ball's come to me and I've 
bashed it away and I've knocked it long and I've cleared it into the stand. And, and after about 20 minutes, you know, Ozzy with his little accent goes, Stebo, Stebo. He said, he said, pass, pass to me. Stebo, no more long, pass to me. <laughs> and, you know, this is a World Cup winner. So, you know, Stebo decided to pass it to Ozzy a little bit more. You know, Ozzy just hated it. You know, the ball was flying over his head, flying past him. And, you know, he just wanted it to his feet and he, and he didn't mind if he was marked. Wow. And do you think that the, that the arrival of, of Ozzy and Ricky Villa um, revolutionised not just Tottenham, but, but the English game and in, in, in it being more of a, a game played on the, on the ground as opposed to long ball? Well, I, I think it was kind of the, the real start of um, major world footballers coming into England. Um, you know, they weren't the very first, that's for sure. But, but you know, Aussie and Ricky had such a, an impact at Spurs. Um, Ricky had actually left by the time I joined Spurs in 83. But, you know, I've, I've met him subsequently when he's over to see Aussie and, and what have you. Um, did it start to revolutionise the game? No, I don't think so, because there were so few, you know, Ricky Villas and Ozzy Ardiles is in the game at the time that the English game was still played like the English game. Um, I think it's more along the lines of, you know, since the, the Premier League came into being and the Premier League, with all the money, has been able to attract so many top players and top European coaches as well. I think that's, the, that's been the catalyst to the change in style generally. Mm. All right, on to some of our Patreon questions. First one from Daniel Markham, one of our patrons. Um, Gary, how far do you think that we can go under Antonio Conte, especially looking to, to next season? I think this season, the best we can hope for is fourth. But are you optimistic for next season that we could challenge Liverpool and City or are they still too too far ahead? Um, personally, I think Liverpool and City sit too far ahead of everybody. Um you know, I, I still think it's a huge challenge next season for Spurs, assuming that they finish in the top four this season, to finish in the top four next season as well. You know, I, I think without doubt, Conte will stay. Um, that's a must. I'm, I'm reasonably quietly confident with a good finish for Spurs and Champions League football next season. Harry Kane stays as well. Um, you know, Son signed a new contract. So, but but I think they, you know, the the club does need to sign players. Um, how far can they go? You know, next season, can they win a domestic trophy, as in a cup trophy? Can they finish in the top four? And and I think that is is a really successful season next season for Spurs if that's what they can achieve. Perfect. Uh, so a question from, from Davo in Australia, uh, one of the podders and, and a patron as well. He asks, uh, you've worked under Birkinshaw, Shreves and Pleat as manager. You may not want to say this, but which was your favourite? Yeah. Well, I can stick in Terry Venables there at the end as well. Um, and in the middle of it, there was a little conglomerate of Dougie Livermore, Ozzy Ardiles and Ray Clements. That was sort of after Peter Shreve had left than before... Um, David Pleat came in in 86. Um, you know, they're, they're all different. My first season at, at Tottenham under Keith Birkenshaw, you know, I loved the fact that everybody knew exactly where they stood with, with Keith. It was pretty blunt and to the point at times. And, um, you know, when Keith marched out of the clubhouse onto the training park for the start of training, 
you made sure you weren't behind him. You were in front of him because if you were behind him and you were late, you were in trouble. So, and I was really disappointed actually when Keith left the club. Um, you know, it was the end of my first season. I'd signed for Keith, and that was one of the reasons I joined the club. So that's a little bit about Keith. Peter Shreve, um, I actually had my best spell, I think, under Peter Shreve when he was in charge. You know, Shreve's he would, you know, under Keith Birkenshaw, Peter Shreve was was the player's mate to some extent, you know, the the hard gaffer and, and Shrevesy was the the kind of guy, but, you know, always had great information, a little word in your ear, a pat on the back, you know, would, would dig you out if he needed to as well. Um, but, but I really enjoyed my time under Peter Shreve. Um, David Pleat, interesting character, um, great knowledge, um, I, I personally didn't see eye to eye with him. Simple as that. I didn't see eye to eye to him, with him. Um, if I tell you, he, he was the only ever manager in my career that phoned me up on a Friday night to check if I was in. And, you know, he didn't know me because if he knew me, I wasn't out on a Friday night before a Saturday game. I wasn't out on a Thursday night before a Saturday game. You know, I wanted to be successful so bad. And, Probably at times I should have gone out and had half a beer somewhere. It might have relaxed me a little bit. Um, mm. But no, I didn't, I didn't see eye to eye with, with David Pleat. And of course, he didn't put me in the starting 11 for the 87 Cup final either, did, did he? He sat me on the bench. So, so, so you know, uh, taking nothing away from David Pleat, he had a great career, was a, a forward-thinking coach in many ways. And, and I loved it under Terry Venables, um, great tactician, but it was the end of my Spurs career because Terry decided, having signed Steve Sedgley and, and shifted things around a little bit, that I wasn't for him. And, uh, and he edged me out the door pretty, pretty quickly, to be honest with, me, with you. First of all, down on loan to Portsmouth, who I ultimately signed for. But um, again, maybe I should write a book about some of these, but I, I don't really want to. It's easier to talk it. But, you know, I really knew when I wasn't part of Terry's plans, when it was a, a training session on the Wednesday and the first team were out, we're just starting to jog round and Ray Clements was coaching there under Terry at the time. And, and Clem came up to me and said, Steve, oh, he said, um, you're not training with the first team today. I said, why? He said, well, I, I don't know. Terry's just said you're not training. I said, what am I with the resis? And Clem said, no, Terry wants you to train with the youth team today. Um, and, you know, at, and, and he'd spoken to me before training because he wanted me to go down on loan to Portsmouth. Um, and he said, anyway, have a chat with me after training and see what you think. So after training, I came in and he said, what do you think now? You know, it, that's, it's the nature of the business. I'm not saying it's right. And I've still got great respect for Terry Venables, a great coach. Um, you know, when I did my UEFA Pro license, which I have, you know, I had to, uh, prior to doing it, I had to interview a, a coach that I'd played under um, and ask what inspired him to go into coaching and interview him, basically. And, and, and Terry did it. And, you know, we, we were supposed to sit down for an hour and three hours later, we were still chatting. So anyway, a couple of little stories that uh, your listeners and viewers might enjoy anyway. Oh, absolutely. Golden. Love it. Love it, Gary. Um, one quick final question. I know, I know that the time's getting on. Is there a player, a Tottenham player from, from your time or, or, or even afterwards that, that didn't make it at Tottenham, that, that you couldn't believe didn't make it, that you thought had the world ahead and for some reason or another it didn't work out? Um, gosh, tough question in some ways. Um, 
I think Spurs over the years, like most clubs, have signed an awful lot of players, haven't they? And everyone's had great hopes for them. And unfortunately, there's a percentage that falls by the wayside. But when I when I first went to Spurs, there was a, a player who was touch younger than me. I went there as a 21-year-old, so he was probably 20. Ian Crook, um, mm-hmm. a midfield player. Um, but unfortunately for Ian, he was behind the likes of Ozzy Ardiles and Glenn Hoddle. And of course, there was Mickey Hazard as well. And so Ian barely played across his time at Spurs 40 games. But he went to Norwich and had a fantastic career in, at Norwich. Played, I think he played over 400 league games for Norwich. Um, you know, I thought he was going to make it at Spurs. Um, but he just didn't get the opportunities. So that would probably be my answer to your question, Ian Crook. Didn't he play in Australia as well for a while? John, any, any ideas? Don't know much about uh, guys playing I'm, Australia. I'm, I'm he, gonna, he played I'm, a long time, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go for that. Ian, Ian actually ended up playing in Australia for a while, and he's been coaching in Australia as well. He might still be out there. I don't know. Anyway, well, Ian Crook. We have many listeners in Australia, so one of them, please stick on the Facebook or Twitter. I can or tell you, I've, I've just Googled it. He did indeed, and he's managed some teams out there. Sydney FC okay. managed. He played for Northern Spirit. He played for uh, Sanfrees Hiroshima as well in 97, 98. So he's been around the world. I played in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. John, so he did, maybe he did Maybe he did make it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but, but just not with Spurs. Not with Spurs. That's, that, was, that was the question. So you got it. You nailed it. John, do um, you want anything to ask Gary? So I've been dominating. Yeah, a couple of things, Gary. The um, Obviously, 84, 85, we finished third in the... Famous, we almost won the league, but, you know, and Neville Southall made the save. And then we struggled that second season under Shreves, didn't we, before he got sacked at the end, just for the World Cup. What what was the difference? What happened between those two seasons? <laughs> uh, so it's, a, it's a great question. You know, some people would argue that, um, you know, Peter Shreve inherited Keith Birkinshaw's side and that side was going to go on and do good things. And, and Peter just kept it going. Um and, you know, it, yes, we had a great chance of winning the league because I, I think we beat Everton in the opening game of the season away from home that year, about 4-1. And, oh, wow. and ultimately, Everton won the league. And I, and I think we, I think Everton maybe won it ahead of us by, I don't know, 10 or 11 or 12 points in the end. We, you know, we weren't even close. Um, but in the latter stages of that season, um, I got injured. I did my, my left knee playing at home against Man United. Um, and that was me out for the rest of the season and a chunk of the next season. Um, although the team went the following weekend and won at Anfield for the first time in God knows how many decades. Um, but I think that the next season where we we struggled, um, well, I didn't start the season, but is that blowing my trumpet too much? I don't know. I, I, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a bit flash, that, isn't it? I, I, I don't know. Other than, you know, maybe as, as good as we thought Peter was, Peter Shreve was, maybe he wasn't quite that good. And, and we, we actually had a, a mid-season break away, um, which was to try and build a bit of team spirit. And um, we went to one of the Channel Islands to play a, a game out there. And uh, us as lads, we got a little bit boisterous and we developed some adverse publicity as well, unfortunately, um, which again didn't help Peter in his position because it appeared that, you know, Peter Shreve maybe didn't have the control over us that, that he should have as the manager 
of Tottenham Football Club. So I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but ultimately it comes down to the players. We were the guys that had to deliver on the park and we didn't. Okay. And the, my other question is you must have a Gaza story for us. <laughs> I've got loads of Gaza stories. I'm, ju I'm just not sure which one I could tell. And, and I'd certainly have to... <laughs> I certainly have to tame it down and edit it a little bit. You know, Gazza was, was a, a great character, a great character, a great, great player. You know, tragic that he was so, uh, I don't know, uncomfortable and troubled off the pitch. You know, the minute he got onto the training park, he was a genius. The minute he got onto the match pitch, he was a genius um, in his own life away from football, you know, Bobby Robson described him, didn't he, didn't he as being daft as a brush. Um, and and Gazza was daft, but he had, he had a heart of gold. Um, after I'd packed up playing myself, um, I actually set up a scheme which was in insurance, which was to do with career-ending insurance for footballers. Because when I lost my career, I was grossly underinsured. Big mistake. And I used to, you know, go into clubs and speak to players about the situation. And heaven forbid, if it happens to you tomorrow, what sort of protection do you have? Um, and I went up to to uh, to Middlesbrough on one occasion to do a presentation to the players there. And um, I got a ta up to Darlington, got a taxi out to the training ground. Met, you know, Brian Robson was there and all the boys and everything. And, and afterwards, I'm about to call a taxi and, and Gazza says to me, he said, don't call a taxi. He said, I'll take you back to the station. And I said, well, it's not a problem because <laughs> I know what Gazza can be like in a, in a vehicle. Anyway, Gazza's given me a lift back. I'm telling you, I wished I'd got a taxi. I have never been so frightened in all my life, sat in the front seat of his big Range Rover. I'm just saying, Gazza, just look at the road, please. Slow down. Yeah, mad man in many ways, but a lovely man. Lovely man. And he's, the documentary about him is is was out recently. I don't have UK TV, John. So, uh, what is it? BT Sports. It's on. I think it's out. I haven't seen it yet, but I have heard some good things about it. So I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah. We all love yeah. Gaza. One of the best for him. Um, we've been running now for 40 minutes. So um, is that is that all, John? Any, anything else for Gary? No, that's great. Yeah. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we love you at the Cheese Room. And uh, so thank you. This has been superb as ever. Yeah, Brendan, thank you very much indeed. A real pleasure for me. Great to speak to you. Great to see you. And also, John, <laughs> pleasure to meet and to chat with you as well. Uh, keep up the good work, both of you. You know, I regularly tune into your podcasts as well. And uh, I know you mix it up uh, from time to time. So uh, good luck to the whole team. Thank you, Gary. Thanks, Thanks Gary. Gary. At the beginning, uh, this is pod is uh, to uh, to help raise awareness uh, for our charity, uh, the Favela Food Fund, helping families in need in the Mojo de Coroa Favela in Rio. Uh, so the, these uh, we will be donating to thank Gary for coming on, and Gary, thank you for the social media support yesterday as well. Very much appreciate and get the word out, uh, listeners and viewers. We will publish on both YouTube and on the audio platforms. Uh, even a couple of quid. I know times are tough for everyone. Uh, a couple of quid uh, goes a long way out here in, in helping families uh, just survive and, and, and get some well-needed foodstuffs. Um, do listen out for, or first off, John, uh, we got YouTube tomorrow night, I believe. We have indeed, yeah. We, YouTube's back. We'll be previewing the Brighton game again. Um, and the usual things like birthdays. We mentioned Gary's the other week, actually. And we always <laughs> do it on this day. 
pluck out a game from recent years and discuss it um, and take obviously people's comments and discuss it and transfers and all those sort of things Brilliant. So do watch out for that and do listen out for the podcast from Franco and the crew, which will be out on the weekend. Um, and as ever, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.